Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone to the latest episode of the, the geek, geek buddies, buddies. Hey! What? and we got there all right so uh it is the end of 2019 as you're listening to this i think it's the end of the decade it's the end of the decade and we're sliding into 2020 a lot of great things going to happen over about the next to, about ten to step years. Into the Roaring Twenties, ladies and gentlemen. That's the right. Roaring Twenties. We're going to bring those flappers back. <laughs> little DiCaprio back. Little Gatsby back. Mike will be running Star Wars by the end of the decade. That's my <laughs> prediction. I'll say that now early. I mean, hey, from your lips to yeah. Kathleen's ears. <laughs> I'll be hired as VP and crash out in a most stellar way within six months. <laughs> Josh uh, Trank style. Josh Trank style. No, <laughs> I don't want to crash out Josh Trank style. I got to crash out like, uh, I don't know, like uh, what are those executives that flamed out, the big executives and then flamed out, like Ovitz? Did he flame out? Who flamed out? I mean, this is, I, this is a dangerous conversation. I know, it's fair point. It's fair point. Someplace one tear is going, going down Mike Ovitz's cheek. Oh, probably. He's <laughs> like, I remember when I ran the town. Uh, anyway, uh, it's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, this is going to our end of the year, end of the decade uh, conversation. We're going to talk about what we liked about 2019, what we're looking for in 2020. We might slide in some stuff about the decade overall, but let's get introductions. I am uh, John Roke. I'm a writer, producer, and host over at Collider, a co-host of the Cinephiles, co-host of the Top Ten Podcast, and proud host of the Deep Cut over on the Collider Conversations feed. I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where in 2020 you're going to get to see me on two different sitcoms. Should I just say it? Should I just say it? Are you allowed to say I, it? I don't know. I, 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 hey, I think about just throwing caution. The end of the year. Let's just go for it. Woo! All right. You're going to be able to see me on one of the first episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and you're going to get to see me on an upcoming episode of The Goldbergs, which is actually my second episode yes. of The Goldbergs. Hey. hey. Which one were you cut out of and they asked you to come back? It was The Goldbergs. Okay. So, so back in the first season, I got cast, and it was sort of like the cold open, as a college recruiter. Mm-hmm. And funny little part, it was with Beverly and Eric. 
America. And then when I got the script after I booked it, I was like, huh, that's interesting. My joke at the beginning gives away a plot point way later in the script. Mm. The next morning I got a rewrite and that joke had been taken out down to one line. And then we shot the one line and then the one line even got taken out. But you're used to having your jokes taken from you and given to other actors. From my experience, I can't name names or certain shows. That one's dangerous. Or a certain 90s show that starred a certain actor who had a show on ABC. But they didn't like or another show that had, you know, was about a family and had jokes taken away from Shannon given to some of the principal characters. It happens because Shannon's a funny guy. Don't be too funny on set. Don't That's be, right. Don't be a threat. That's right. They get mad. Uh, I don't care how successful we are. Actors have egos, and they don't like to be shown up in scenes when they're supposed to be the funny ones. When I work with people on set, I like to think of them being my friends. So, or your modern family. Um, let's. Uh, oh, I thought we were going to let it all go, Vogel. I thought it was the end of the year. We're making Mike uncomfortable yeah. right now. Whew. He's the one that said to let it all go. Let's talk about it all. <laughs> let it go. And we're going to pull our pants off and run around the streets. <laughs> well, that is the end of the year. That's what I usually do, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> you remember. That is true. For anybody who's curious, uh, New, Year's, New Year's Eve 2000, John Rocha was with me and my family at our condo in St. Augustine. Mm. And we all counted down on the balcony so that we could see the fireworks over the ocean. And we got to one. And then my dad said, what's happening? And John Roca had pulled his clothes off and was running down naked and jumped in the pool naked. So, so you know what? I mean, that was that was a big that was a big one. This is just a new decade. This is a new decade. So, are you gonna you gonna uh, you gonna you gonna get naked and run down around the streets outside of our New Year's party this year? Listen, if they find a way for us to live another 90, 80 years, I will absolutely go naked running into another pool to start a new century. All right, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Listen, people don't remember we we're gonna die. So I just thought I'm gonna meet my maker. As I as I came into it, the world, the best part it was the best part about it though was that like a bunch of people ran down from mm. the different condos mm. to jump into the pool, and John went as well. So there's a bunch of people running in the pool, but John is the only one who just threw all of his clothes off. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite visual memory was everybody is in the pool and everyone's like hugging each other who jumped in the pool and this one guy starts going towards John and he's like hey and John goes to hug him and then he like realized you were naked and he backed up and he went whoa <laughs> also the end of the pool was a, a, a black tie event there was a whole little function at the other end of the pool with people in dresses and suits so I was certainly self-conscious thank and god my mom, then my mom looked at me and said well you have lovely friends <laughs> <laughs> so you know what this episode's gonna be like let's uh, <laughs> let's get into this kind of stuff. Um, all right, so let's talk about what we liked about. Oh no, actually, we have presents. Oh yeah. Should we open the presents first or talk about 2019 first? I what mean, let's get? just. You wanna, I mean, Christmas comes before New Year's, so I guess we're fair gonna do enough. A little, uh, let's open, let's open fair the enough. Here. All right, we, all right so we have we have two presents, not three. Right. Um, Shannon and I bought presents. Yes. You were busy. I received the invite, and like Larry David, it said no presents, but you guys brought presents. So I was confused. You received, you received the invite to Christmas? Yeah, I received the invite and it did, said no did you, presents. Did you send that invite? I, I listen. I didn't send that invite. <sighs> I always bring presents, whether should, it tells me to or not. I should have questioned that when it was written in black marker. Someone's playing a joke on me. No presents. <laughs> All right. So we got, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. We, so, so Johnny and I both have a present from Shannon, and yep. Johnny and Shannon both have a present from me. Right. So we're going to do an on air uh, unboxing. Un- unboxing. <laughs> we're going to do a little unboxing here. Why don't you right. guys open yours at the same time? From who? From you? From me, because okay. it's literally the same thing. Right. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Does it a tap? Well, there's unwrapping happening. Oh! <laughs> oh! 
These are man. two uh, two uh, very unique, very oh. rare Geek Buddies t-shirts. That is awesome. Our faces are on a shirt. That's so great. This so is not new a... for John. Holy crap, Ola. This is, yeah, uh, not this new is for our me, first this is official great. Geek Buddies merchandise. This is the first official one with John Roca on the cover. Now, this is the outlaw. This is me. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> well, there you go, boys. We got to Instagram. Take a picture of this. Well, at some check, check our Instagram and Twitter for the Geek Buddies t-shirts. Did you buy yourself one? Of course I bought myself nice. one. Nice. My favorite thing to do at Christmas is to buy Woo-hoo! myself presents along with the presents I buy for other people. Have you met me? That's awesome. Thank you so much, Mikey. Yes, All thank right. you, Mikey. Now, Woo! Shannon, what do you have here from uh, for me and Johnny? Yes, it's the same shape as your package. Oh, my God. I'd love it if it was a Geek Buddy shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you guys opened mine first. Oh, okay. Got shirts. Oh, oh. Got t-shirts. Up. Oh, I got a uh, a BB-8 with a Mickey Mouse inside running that hamster wheel. Nice. Because Star Wars is being run by the mouse. There you go. <laughs> subversive. Oh, that is subversive. I'll take it. I like it. Works on a number of levels. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank oh, you, sir, okay. for my geeky t-shirt. That's right. I got myself a Mighty Mix boxing gym from Rocky. That's Mickey Goldmill. used to train Rocky in the movies, Burgess Meredith. It says, eat lightning and crap thunder. <laughs> that, that is awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon. Very Look welcome. at that. Very welcome. Look at that. We box should have teamed up, Shannon. We should have gotten, you could have gotten Johnny uh, a Western t-shirt, and I could have gotten him a samurai t-shirt. Oh, here we go. Or the really, joke that never dies. It just could have been a quote. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not a Western. It's not a Western. It's not a Western. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been your shirt. My shirt could be the version that has like the carrot with only. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's not only just popping up. It's not only, only asterisk. Only asterisk. <laughs> All right. So check anyway. Instagram and Twitter to see these amazing yeah. presents. These <laughs> thank amazing you so gifts. Much. Uh, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. You guys thank have you. Amazon cards coming to you, so that's that's my presents. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah. Good. Good. Oh, Christmas, New Year's, it's always so weird. Um, all right, let's get into it. So we're going to talk about what we liked in 2019. Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, let's have Mikey go first. Yeah, Mikey, I mean, bring I it got, up. I made a list. Do it. I got a whole thing. Do it. Uh, I mean, let's just hit the obvious ones first because we've talked about them so much. But mm-hmm. uh, I think Watchmen is yeah. the best TV show of the year. Uh, I think Watchmen was not the one that I was looking for. For to be my top show, my top geeky thing, but I think right. it absolutely was. Um, I think now that we've reached the end of Mandalorian, completely satisfying. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, if you guys have been listening to uh, to our spoiler reviews, you know, in the middle there, there was a little bit of worry, there was a little bit of concern, but I think it ended so strong. And uh, check out our spoiler filled review to talk about the ending of Mandalorian. But it was, it made me super happy. Can't wait for more of that. Um, and check out our Watchmen spoiler review, which already dropped. And check out the Watchmen spoiler yeah, review, which yeah. dropped. Um, gosh, there's so much. I think that, uh, you know, Avengers Endgame, it feels like so long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, we ended we ended the uh, the whole run of Marvel there before we jumped into this next phase. But, like, we, we they did it. Yeah. Um, Stuck the landing. You know, that actually launched Geek Buddies. It was did. our uh, Avengers Endgame it discussion, was. and um, it's just it's just a crazy time. You know, the, it was a big year of endings. Avengers Endgame ended. Uh, My Little Pony ended. Yes, this is very very near and dear to me. Um, the Skywalker saga. The Skywalker saga has just concluded. Less near and dear to me. Hell, oh. um, <laughs> just kidding. I love me some Star Wars. Don't we? Um, and then I think also just the launch of Disney Plus. Like I was making my mm. list of geek things, and I think even though it's not a specific thing, I think Disney Plus is going to be the thing that reaps so many geeky dividends for us. Yeah, uh, and I think that was huge. 
Um, and from a personal level, not necessarily something we always cover. We usually, you know, stick to TV and movies, but um, the Red Rising book series okay. is one of my favorite uh, sci-fi slash fantasy series okay. uh, by the author Pierce Brown. And the fifth book in that series, uh, Dark Age, came out earlier this year. And if you're not reading Red Rising, if you are someone who loves Star Wars, Hunger Games, Braveheart, mm-hmm. uh, anything, like any of the big epic sagas, if you love a big, huge mythology, sprawling worlds, characters, space battles, everything, Red Rising is... Truly one of the best new uh, worlds in the past several years that has come out. And so do yourself a favor. Go pick it up. Uh, Dark Age is the latest in the series. And that was definitely one of my top moments of the year for sure. Do you think it'll be adapted? I know that they're already trying to adapt. Okay, okay. Uh, I think they're trying to adapt it as a TV series. Oh. Uh, The books are dense. Yeah. So I don't know. So is Game of Thrones. Well, which is why, like, can yeah. you, like, this actually perfect example. Like, so when you read Red Rising, it's such a huge story with so many characters and so much nuance and mm. so much that happens. Imagine if somebody had tried to take season one of Game of Thrones and tell that in a two and a half to three hour movie. Right. You just, you, you would, you would lose so much out of it. Like, it just wouldn't happen. So, uh, I know they're trying to adapt Red Rising. I believe they're trying to adapt it as like sort of a premiere series. Like yeah, I believe it's one of the streamers has the, okay. has the rights okay. to um, it. Which is the only way to do it i mean that couldn't be a network series so like no which is also just you know not necessarily a favorite of 2019 but as we're looking at the end of the decade Mm. i think something that has happened that has changed sort of geek consumption is your when you used to love something uh your favorite book a comic book anything yeah um your options were to have the high-end cinematic treatment where you were going to have a bigger budget but the stories were going to have to get really slimmed down right or you could have a tv series but that was going to be sort of like a network budget at best Mm -hmm. and you weren't going to get the epic special effects and everything and now we live in this world with Watchmen with uh Mandalorian Mandalorian, with another one of my top picks for the year Amazon's The Boys Yes. Uh, and you just have these shows where you're telling these huge stories with feature level special effects, almost, almost mm-hmm. feature level special effects. And you're allowed to tell a story that can go over 8, 10, 12 episodes. You're getting yep. these 8 hour, 10 hour, 12 hour stories. Yep. And I think that's just been a huge shift uh, that is for the better of all of us. It gives us plenty of more things to geek out and talk about. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, uh, Avengers Endgame, obviously, that's, that was the big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Watchmen, I think part of it, and I think probably this was deliberate on their part, I mean, Watchmen was so unexpected just because the marketing was so very thin. Yeah. Like, uh, the HBO audience knew it was coming, the people that were fans of the book knew it was coming, but even at Comic-Con, like, its presence was not very visible. I mean, I mm-hmm. want to say they dropped the first trailer. I think the trailer came out, yeah, that was it. But even for the trailer, it's like, what, what? What is this? Like, what is happening right now? You had right. no indication of how it was going to be connected to the original graphic novel. Um, they kept what, saying it wouldn't be. Yeah, that's right. They're like spiritual successors. What they kept saying. Yeah, um, but I think one of my favorite um, television shows this year was definitely Dead to Me from oh, Netflix with yeah, Christina Applegate and okay. Linda Cardellini. I mean, they. What's so great about the streamers is they have introduced this this format where you can have a show that's half an hour that is not a yuck yuck sitcom. I mean, you can have sort of a half hour dramedy 
and just sort of the acting beast that both Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini were on that show. I mean, j- that was a roller coaster ride of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone that I've spoken to that has watched it was a really, really big fan. Um, but yeah, the boys also. Like, I didn't know the book. I knew I knew of its existence, but I'd never read it. And from just moment one, like you are, you are in the world. Yeah. And the fact that season two is coming out next year is very exciting. Yeah. Mm. Johnny? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Let me bring up my list. Um, so uh, I put a bunch of stuff down. Watchmen certainly was number one uh, for me. Yeah, as Mike said, best show. I think Succession was going to make a run for it. And then Watchmen came along and just completely obliterated it, right? And Now, did you watch season one of Succession? Right before season two? Did you watch them at around the same time? Yeah, yeah, or? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, I think Watchmen just works on so many levels. I, I, man, I'm going to say the Succession is more a commentary on our times. Watchmen is a commentary on our world, like for okay. for for years, for decades, for centuries. Yeah, and I think there's more that it's talking about than just uh, the Mandalorian. Certainly, especially landing that, uh, you know, hitting that thing at the end. I thought Killing Eve to continue the show the way it did. I wasn't 100% a biggest fan of the second season, but I like the fact that Jodie Comer got to be more highlighted in this show. I think she really stands out now as a powerful presence, and we'll start to see her in more and more things after the second season. Um, I thought the Fosse Verdon series on FX was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Just ever seen, top to bottom. Totally addicted to it. Um, it was one of these things that I couldn't stop watching. I binged it in two days with uh, with Lindley, and it just was out of control how much I loved that show. I, I I didn't anticipate liking it. I'm not always the biggest Michelle Williams fan, not because she's not a great actress. Really? It's just something about her energy that I always gravitate to. Mm-hmm. She's never delivered a bad performance or even a middling performance, in my opinion, in anything I've ever seen. She's an incredible actress. But for whatever reason, the energy never always, hasn't always attracted me to go see her stuff. When I watched Fosse Verdon, I was like, this is next level shit. This is next level acting. Next level acting. And so I was like, this is, she'll, whatever is coming forward for her will be fantastic. Uh, I also thought The Daily with Michael Barbaro became a big thing for me in 2019. You talk about the sci-fi, uh, your book series. For me, it was that. Every morning, I am a political and news junkie. As much as I love movies and sports, there's the, the, right there is politics and news. And for me, Michael Barbaro in the morning became a, a, a must to listen to on the drive to work. For me, it was better than listening to music or listening to anything else. It was a way of staying on top of things because... I do so many things, the podcasts and Collider and all these things that I'm doing um, that I, sometimes I lose track to take the time to read articles and read what's happening. Uh, and it's tough for me. And I used to wake up in the morning, flip open the computer and sit there for two hours and read articles, but I don't have that time anymore. So for me, Barbaro kind of takes care of that by informing me what's happening. They do some great incisive work on the New York Times and listening to all that was just, for me, incredible uh, overall. Um, and then recently, the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special. As a guy who likes British TV shows, I thought the Christmas special was absolutely fantastic. And if you haven't seen that series, it's now on BritBox. I think it's uh, it was on Netflix or something. And so you guys should definitely catch up on that series. It's, it's a very awesome, feel-good uh, TV series, three seasons. I think it's 10 episodes per season. And just about this relationship between these two incredibly interesting people and their world around them. Very funny stuff. Well, and speaking of British TV, I think 2019 was when the American public at least really discovered Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. From how, Fleabag and everything. Yeah. yeah, Fleabag season one had come out before, yeah. but yep. it was it's, it was uh, season two that everyone sort of jumped on jumped on that bandwagon. And because it was such a limited run for both 
for both seasons. I mean, you could watch the entire series in in a day. Yeah. And just how she's just such a charming, magnetic presence. Like, it's it's this X factor that you cannot teach. Some people are just born with this thing. And right. she's just one of those people that is, the moment she's on screen, uh, you want to watch her. And even like in Solo, where she was just the voice, um, there's like, wow, there's something about this droid that I can't not watch. Yeah, yeah. Makes me like the Millennium Falcon more now. It's Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the Millennium Falcon. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a Millennium Falcon. It's canon. It's canon. (laughs) It is canon. You can't argue that. Um, Another thing that I really loved about 2019 is it was a great year for animation uh, on Mm. television. Uh, You know, there's just so many great. We got the Steven Universe movie. We got Steven Universe Future. Uh, DuckTales Season 2 was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Totally just got bonkers, crazy epic and hilarious. Uh, Dragon Prince on Netflix. She-Ra on Netflix, Green Eggs and Ham on Netflix, which I, you know, when I heard that that was getting made, I never thought that that would be like one of my must-see animated shows of the year, but it ended up, it's a gorgeous, funny, hilarious show that, you know, who knew that there'd be a Green, green Eggs and Ham with uh, Diane Keaton and Michael Douglas, which not, <laughs> would not have been my first, uh, my first picks for that, but they're amazing. So I just think, uh, again, kind of the same thing that we're just living in this world where we're getting like such high-end animation. Yeah. Um, and and stuff that's all like tends to be more serialized than not. Yeah, um, yeah. I think this is true of live action TV and animated TV, but particular, but for particularly in animation, um, the trend is usually uh, the studios or the executives or the companies saying, "Hey, don't make it too serialized. We're going to sell this internationally. We don't know what order they're going to play it in." So, uh, you know, creators always want to tell big serialized stories, and they're always discouraged from doing it. But because of the success of streamers, that has sort of flipped, and so now you do get these shows where you'll get, uh, you know, eight episodes will drop, ten episodes will drop, thirteen episodes will drop, and you just binge them in a day because you can't stop watching it because it's just yeah. one big story. And so even the stories that we're telling in animation are bigger and. Uh, more sprawling than they have been up to this point. Now, did Dragon Prince, was it season two and season three? They both came out in 2019? I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I literally just finished season three of Dragon Prince uh, a few days ago, a couple days before Christmas, and it, like, gets Lord of the Rings huge. Yeah. Like, there is a epic battle at the end of season three uh, that I almost thought, oh my god, this is the end of the series. But then there was a little tag at the end. I was like, okay, no, no, there's more to tell. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, so uh, again, if anyone has not checked them out, uh, Dragon Prince, Dragon Prince, Shira, and Green Eggs and Ham are all on Netflix and amazing. And you can check out all of Ducktales seasons one and two on Disney Plus. Um, and it's a treat if you haven't watched the new Ducktales yet. Um, kind of the same thing. It's the it's the show that you loved but better, uh, and a big serialized story, and introducing a lot of really cool aspects like Huey and Dewey and Louie's mom, Della Duck. <laughs> well, and also I think the thing that Ducktales because I, I didn't watch season two yet, but the thing that the new that the the reboot has done is it made Huey, Dewey, and Louie three different personalities. Like the old show, they were sort of interchangeable. Like they were just you you knew who each one was by the color of their shirt. Whereas now, like they. They're three different guys. And I know that uh, because we have some friends who worked on DuckTales, and I know that when they made that decision, that there was a lot of people that were really, really nervous about that, that that there's a... There was a idea of who Huey and Dewey and Louie were, right. and the fact that you had these sort of adult male voices kind of coming out, it was like, whoa, 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 uh, and it was a gamble, but it really paid off. 
yeah. because they sort of become like three of the best characters. Like I can't I, now when I go back and watch older versions of Huey, Dewey, and Louie, I'm like, mm, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I like the new ones better. Uh, do you have somebody to go, uh, I could pick up with? What, no, Mike no, just, go go. For I want to pick up what you said earlier, Mike, about the idea of the, how um, shows are now eight to ten episodes and how that's really been a fantastic thing for us as viewers and consumers of this kind of media because i think in the past to jump into a show you're like 22 episodes a season i don't know so as slowly over the last few years as it's become about telling a tighter story in a less amount of episodes uh, and i think this stems from the netflix stuff like the marvel shows people were upset that they were 13 episodes should have been 10 should have been eight i wonder if they would be adjusted now in this new climate because even in eight mandalorian kind of pissed away three episodes so it is possible to still kind of do filler or do or or, or not use the episodes to their best abilities to tell your overall story but i think we i think we're telling better stories in shorter amounts of time and uh i want to throw in mindhunter season 2 uh, as part of that, certainly the Crown season three, Aberfan is maybe the best episode of that entire series, and it occurred in 2019. Those things are happening more and more, and it excites me. It excites me because even as a consumer of me, like I watch shows from like other countries now, thanks to BritBox and Ake. I'm watching shows from Wales and France and like Denmark and shit. When you watch them, they're four, five, six tops, eight episodes, an hour long or 45 minutes each. And they're great stories to tell. They're all consuming. I think I think you're 100% right. I think that we're – it's going to be interesting to see what happens with network television over the next several years mm. because I think this newer model uh, of telling uh, tighter stories yeah. is working much more. And it's almost like I feel like they're realizing that uh, American audiences actually have longer attention spans than they thought. They're yeah. thinking that you had to just keep giving us – new content as often as possible, take a little break and then keep feeding us. But it's like, they're finding that we'll take a 10 episode series, uh, for 10 weeks and then have a year of none of that. And then when that show comes back, if it was good, we'll be excited about it. Like we're ready to come back. Um, Really quickly on something you said, we can talk about it more on our Mandalorian review, Mm -hmm. but I actually think that when, by the time we get to season two, uh, I don't know that those three episodes in the middle are going to be seen as filler. Okay. I mean, obviously, one of them, uh, the introduction of Cara Dune, mm-hmm. we know comes back later on. Yeah. But I think that uh, whatever that trip oh. was to Tatooine uh, and the Prison Break episode, I have a feeling that when we get to season two, those things will come back around as well. Oh, yeah. I have, uh, they've renewed my sense that they really know what they're doing with the, with mm. the two episodes at the end. So we'll see. But that's so, more for Mandalorian. Did, I'm back from Canto. <laughs> Yo, Mando. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I re- oh god, I really hope Amy Sedaris doesn't come back. I like her way oh, more than Bill Burr. Gosh. Um, <laughs> and what were you going to say? Were you, do you have anything? No, I was no, I was looking at something that I thought was 2019 and it, okay. and it wasn't. Uh, well, another one speaking just speaking of uh yeah. the Star Wars universe. Um Galaxy's Edge opened this year. Yeah. That was another big thing. I mean, not necessarily, you know, not not in not in the news, I mean, not in TV or film, but uh the Star Wars theme park opening in Orlando and California definitely yeah. a huge deal. Um and although we have not gotten it here yet, uh some friends of mine who have ridden Rise of the Resistance in Orlando 
confirmed that it is, in fact, the best theme park ride ever made. Wow. Well, yeah, because it runs, what, 15 minutes, 18 minutes, something like that? I mean, which is unheard of for a theme park attraction. I feel like we should get sponsored to go down there and try it out and report on it. Yeah. I think that is a wonderful idea, especially because we just love Disney+. Plus. We do. And certainly we... Had great times when we go to the parks. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So I think that even though the park, you know, as as has been reported over and over again, ne- didn't necessarily open to expectations. Uh, mm. I think a lot of that is due to the fact that their big marquee ride wasn't there, and I do have a feeling that things are going to continue to get better and better. But uh, but again, yeah, like that's op- that open this year. Uh, you know, next year, twenty twenty. Looking mm. forward to the Avengers, Avengers Campus, Campus opening in yeah. California Adventure, yep, yep, yep. which I guess they're only going to have one ride too to start off. It's going to be the Spider. Man ride. Yeah. Well, wow. they technically will be two because they Guardians, Guardians. Uh, Breakout technically counts as part of it. It's right on the edge of the Avengers campus. So they'll have the Guardians ride, which is already there. Right. They'll be adding the Spider-Man ride, and then they'll have another one cool. coming down the pipe later. I've heard that the Spider-Man ride is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Universal... Islands of Adventure. They have the Marvel Superhero Island, which when it opened in 1999, uh, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man ride at that time, that was unlike anything yeah. we had ever seen. And now to see what Disney, which I mean, they won't be able to do a Spider-Man ride in Florida. They can only do it out here. Right. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how Disney pluses that experience. Well, we'd, re- we'd be remiss, I think, not to mention also how uh, Joker has changed the landscape for superhero slash comic movies. I mean, we are the geek buddies, so we got to kind of talk about that, I think, a little bit, especially on the, especially as we're turning the corner in 2020, and we have uh, Birds of Prey, and we have uh, a couple other things coming down, the Pike Black Widow, what have you. You got this singular story that came out of nowhere, which a lot of people thought might not work. It was weird. What's the c- connection? Why are you doing something outside a universe? And there were a lot of social of concerns as yeah, well. Yeah, a lot of social concerns. People with you know tapped along the idea of the incels or violence or blah 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 blah, which none of that ever came came to be. Which many people could have told you was never going to happen. Um, so, but it's incredible. Here we go. I mean, like on. We're moving like Deadpool, then Logan, then this with this this move towards this idea of the superhero uh, comic book movie now moving past this idea of not being seen as or of being seen as just fun uh, people wearing tights doing crazy things like there's so much more going on here. And regardless of what Scorsese or Coppola said, I think most of us understand there are there is real human emotional weight and stakes to these stories. Certainly Joker carried that in terms of the way it was portrayed and seen. And people argue whether you sympathize or didn't sympathize with Arthur Fleck, but it certainly was a billion dollars of a $55 million budget is insane or yeah. $60 million budget. That is a massive success. And it speaks volumes about, I think, what happens when you do a film that is worth a damn, that can be considered an art house film in the comic book world, there is a possibility to see a return on the levels of which you've done the larger event superhero films. And it's kind of brilliant. And it's, it's a legitimate awards contender. Yeah. Now, some people back in 08, when uh, Heath Ledger won, made the argument like he's winning because he passed away. Mm. Now, I don't remember who the Best Supporting Actor nomination, <laughs> nominees were that year. Robert Downey Jr., certainly for Tropic Thunder. Was, he wasn't he, for an Oscar yeah. or for Golden Globes? No, for an Oscar. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor? Yes. Oh, man, I don't for remember For Lincoln that. Osiris. <laughs> I don't remember that. But, I mean, the idea that 
Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips, they're all getting in just on the strength of the movie. They don't yeah. have any other, nothing else behind it, no ammunition right. behind it. But the fact that they are all, both serious awards contenders. Um, He's the odds-on favorite to win. It would be considered an upset if Joaquin didn't win. That's how crazy that is. Yeah. 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 Wow. Did you vote on the SAG? Yes. The SAG nominations? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah I mean, I... Thinking about how they were able to tell this sort of isolated Joker story, I'm trying to think, what other comic book characters are there out there that could generate that type of film? Yeah. That could become a Good serious question. awards contender that, I don't know, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be removed from a larger universe, but what other characters out there could justify that type of movie? It's a fair point. I think it's another good point, though. I think that even you are making this distinction that you can either have a standalone cinematic film or a mm. film that is tied to a bigger universe. Right. And I think what I am more looking forward to is just seeing it all get elevated to the point where let's have a movie that's part of a cinematic universe that also is an Oscar contender. Uh, and again, I think that's going to be a, lo- a-, a little ways away. We have to see how the Academy... the, the um, the age and uh, look of the Academy changes over time to, to be more accepting of these kinds of films. But I do think that uh, what Joker does show is that there's a lot of different ways to tell a comic book story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whether it's in-universe, out-of-universe, or anything, I think it's just showing that there is a growing maturity and an understanding, like John said, mm-hmm. that these characters um, – might be more colorful than real life characters. Might be uh, there might be some extra added uh, powers and abilities, but that ultimately these stories work when they're telling really human emotional stories. Yeah, yeah, and and those of us like the three of us who appreciate phenomenal cinema, uh, c- cinema that's been classically loved, can also go to see these superhero films and sense the beats that we've seen in other films that don't have superheroes or don't have tights or don't have a cosmic stuff. It's human stories, right? And that's the thing. And this is what I think Coppola and and uh, his ilk will eventually fade away in their point of view because we're transitioning as a movie going public. As a, I think as a media consuming public, we're transitioning where there are no longer lines. Everything is blurred. And we can enjoy so many different things across the spectrum, whether it be drama or comedy and everything in between, uh, and see it as valuable, see it as awards worthy uh, for consideration. And I think that's one of the most positive things to come out of 2019 is how how, how we're all changing as a as a uh, uh, media consuming public about what we're looking at and willing to laud everything if it's good. You know, uh, just real quick. It was Josh Brolin for Milk, Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Road, Philip Seymour Hoffman for Doubt, and Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder. Those, wow. He beat out. That's a powerhouse That's, yeah. five. Just between Josh Brolin and Michael Shannon. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, though, listen, li- like listing all that, like he would have won. Yep. Either way. Like, Either like, way. Like, especially the thing that's always so fun about the Oscars, uh, and it'll be fun when we talk about it this year, is that uh, in the heat of the moment when all of these movies are out, you know, you everyone like debates and argues and what's the best performance. But once you get like two, three, four, five years away from uh, mm. from a year, you look back and there's the performances and the stories and the and the and the movies that stick with you and those that don't. Yeah. Dark Knight sticking with us for a long time. <laughs> I think we're the, of those five, we're only talking about uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Heath Ledger. Yeah. 12 years later, you know, so uh, anyway. All right. Well, that's our, our so- somewhat semi recap of 2019 of what we enjoyed 2019. We'll take a little bit of a break and uh, jump into what we're looking forward to in 2020. So stay tuned. 
All right, welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed those uh, words from us for our sponsors on uh, the Anchor app. We really appreciate uh, them sponsoring the show. Really appreciate Anchor carrying the show on iTunes and all the different uh, uh, streaming apps that you listen to us on. And let's into this. Let's get into this. 2020. Uh, we start a new century, or it's a new decade, rather. A uh, lot of stuff to be looking forward to. I personally am a fan of even numbers, so I'm looking forward to this year. Um, who wants to start? Well, I'll go with the obvious one because, okay. like, well, we can all discuss this, but this is the big one. Probably is a uh, new decade, new phase of the Marvel universe. Yay! Uh, I think of all the things that everyone is excited about. I think we can all agree that uh, Phase Five of the Marvel Four. U- four jumping ahead, I got really mm. I'm excited about <laughs> X Men. I guess focus on the even number for John. Uh, phase Four. Yeah. Phase Four is starting, and I think it's really great because. Uh, as I said earlier about what we were what we were loving about 2019, like 2019 was a long year, y'all. Yeah, Avengers Endgame feels like it was a while ago. <laughs> uh, well, eight months. And even though we got yes. and even though we got far from home afterwards, which is technically the end end of the phase, uh, it, it just it all was in the summertime. We've had so much stuff happen both in pop culture and just in the world um, that it really feels like it's been a minute. So the fact that we're about to dive back in with Black Widow uh, and see what revelations that has, what that sets up for us leading into both uh, Eternals in November and uh, Disney Plus's first big Marvel show, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And so it's like the end of phase three of the Marvel Universe was such a big ending um and it was the culmination of so much and it really felt like just you know with with tony dying and cap sort of retiring and everything that happened you're like oh my god like this is it and so the idea that we're jumping back in and with the knowledge that there's clearly a game plan and that there's stuff going on and that it's going to look and feel so different with so many new characters. Like there's just a sort of an, an, an anticipation and uh, excitement about where we're about to go. Yeah. Well, and leading up to the release of not just Endgame, but for uh, Far From Home as well, they were being a little cagey. They weren't letting anything get out about what what their plans post phase three were going to be. I know some people had sort of posited a theory like there's not going to be any more phases like like they have they have reached the top of the mountain. There's no higher that they can go from here. So they're going to just start doing sort of individual stories and everything's still going to be connected. But they they don't have another big thing to build to. And then Comic-Con happens and you see what that that slate, that first part of the slate for phase four was going to be is like, oh, no, they they have a plan. And what is going to be really interesting to me. I mean, obviously Black Widow, because they're kind of going back in time a little bit to see what that sets up, but also how a Disney Plus series, how, and I believe Falcon and Winter Soldier is either six or eight episodes, Mm -hmm. basically what that six or eight hour story is going to, how it's going to affect the larger universe at play. Um, Because they have said that, you know, these are going to be interchangeable with the movies. Like, you're going to need to know what happens in the Disney Plus series yeah. to figure out well, what's going on in and, the And, I mean, leading into af- post-2020, they're even saying that, like, whatever happens in WandaVision is directly related yes. to why she is in Doctor Strange. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's all very, very tight. I mean, the way you should really look at it is these are just 
big long like as we were saying that a lot of these uh new series that we get to watch in the era of streaming services are basically extended movies they have the same special effects with disney plus we're gonna have the same actors and it's basically an extended movie and i do you know i've heard a lot of people that are like this is where marvel's gonna make their mistake nobody's going to make sure they watch a tv show because they're going to have to know what happens to see what happens in the movie and i'm like you're a damn idiot. That's archaic That's thinking. Literally, exactly what everybody is going yeah. to do. <laughs> How many people rewatched Breaking Bad just so they could jo- enjoy El Camino? Right. Like that's th- what happens. People rewatch Game of Thrones before a new Game of Thrones season starts. People rewatched. How many people rewatched all eight of the uh, uh, Star Wars movies before? Right. Rise this of Skywalker. This guy right here. Dude. That's right. <laughs> people make time for the things that they want to make time. This is what I was referencing in our first block. Is this idea of everything is like there are no lines anymore. Everything is blurred. This old archaic way of thinking of like, oh, no way they're going to do this or that. You know, it's a whole new world, and it's so funny because it's like. Remember when we would watch, read crossover things like Secret Wars or whatever? We'd go pick up like Alpha Flight 75, which we'd never pick up, but we'd pick it up because it's connected to the overall story of what well, may happen. And that's essentially what these TV shows are, and, is they're connecting to the larger thing. Well, and from a business standpoint, yeah. you just literally nailed on exactly why the companies are doing this. Right. Because what we did, and you are a hundred, this is literally how I ended up buying. 40 comics a week for several yeah, years yeah. because I was like, I'm only going to read Batman comics. I'm just buying Batman comics. Oh, well, here's a crossover. Oh, it was Superman. I don't really read Superman. Oh, that was cute. All right, I'll get the next few issues of Superman. Oh, Flash just showed up. Okay, well, I'll buy that. The crossovers got you to try out a new thing mm-hmm. and at least give it like at least 50% of the time, right. you would stick with that yeah. and then you would get into that thing. And that's exactly what's happening here. They are banking on the fact that a Marvel movie viewer who maybe was like, I don't need Disney Plus, Mandalorian, what? I don't care about the Disney vault, whatever. Come end of this year, they're going to be like, all right, well, I'll get the free trial for a week so that I can watch right. Winter Soldier and Falcon, but then I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, that was pretty good. Well, WandaVision is coming on soon. Oh, look, they do got a lot of movies. Adventures and Babysitting is on here. That's a great one. Okay, well, let's watch this old thing. Oh, my God, look at this. Uh, remember the Titans? I love that, too. And then they stay in there. Um, and it's the exact same thing. It's from a consumer business product pro- process. It's the, we've got something for you over here. Yeah. Buy this instead of Hulu or Netflix or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder if there's going to be a spike in Disney Plus membership. Uh, next fall because Mandalorian season two and Falcon Winter Soldier come out. Anyone that was holding off on Disney Plus, like, eh, if I wait just a little bit while longer, I'll right. be able to binge two episodes of The Mandalorian or two seasons of The Mandalorian and have Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I also think it's brilliant that Disney came out with this uh, approach to this. Not like Apple TV. Apple TV came out with that black and white thing, and everyone's like, this is going to be very important, Apple TV. You know, we get filmmaking, blah, 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 bleeps. And it was just like, okay, Apple, uh, but plus, I mean, uh, sorry, Disney Plus comes out and goes, hey, we're going to make this, uh, give you one year free if you're a Verizon uh, member. We're going to do, we're going to keep it really low. We're going to give you Mandalorian on the day it drops. We're going to give you this or that. So Disney has approached it in a way of like, smart they could have big time this whole situation and force you to pay like 20 bucks a month or whatever to try to be part of it no they're coming in really chill they know they got billions of dollars and they know you're going to be a part of it so for them it's just like okay we're gonna we're gonna make it so easy for you to get in touch with or get a hold of this and then we're gonna put all kinds of content on there and also they made it um 
a way better how can I say this correctly? They made it a, an easier system to navigate than Amazon Prime, than oh. Hulu. Netflix and Disney Plus are the two best, I, easiest ones to navigate. I was talking to somebody who works in sort of programming yeah, and yeah. does a lot of those things. And they're like, look, the most brilliant thing that Disney Plus did was to put those five buckets at the top. Yes. And speaking of geeky things, when you, the fact that like... You know, you go into Netflix and you have the what's trending, what you might like, continue watching, and then they have all the, if you like movies with action stars who also got <laughs> nominated for an Oscar in one animated film, here's 19 movies you could, like, it's just like, they have all these categories, and Disney just goes, we got Disney, we got Pixar, we got Star Wars, we got Marvel, we got National Geographic, yep. and it's, it's a lot easier to be like, what am I in the mood for? Oh, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, and then you're sort of in that geeky world. Right. Um, I do think it's very funny, kind of to your point, that you know Apple Plus launched, and they're like, we're very important. We spend a lot of money on a Jason Momoa show. Yeah. We have Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. We have some very important stuff. And then Disney Plus is like, we made Tessa Thompson a dog, and Anna Kendrick is Santa's daughter. <laughs> and everyone's like, yep, I'm in. I'm in. That's the one. <laughs> right. It didn't help that those those shows came out and were like, you know, mixed reviews all over the place. So although, although a lot of people say morning show kind of hit the... Uh, stuck the landing at the end uh, that it was a bit kind of disjointed at times and nobody talks about the Jason Momoa show or For All Mankind or anything. So, you know, um, that doesn't help either. Yeah. So, uh, so long story short, Marvel Cin- Cinematic Universe, yeah. including Disney+, Plus. so I guess it's not even just cinematic anymore, mm. very excited about in 2020. What else we got? Uh, so, <laughs> there is a movie coming out in February called uh, The Way Back, starring Ben Affleck yeah. and Gavin O'Connor. Now, these two have worked together before in The Accountant, which um, I it thought... is a great movie. It is a, a good movie. It's, it's a good movie. I don't think Ben Affleck was the guy. I think they there was probably a better movie with a different actor, because I don't think he quite has the depth to play that type of character. I don't know, no, man. I don't know. I really like him in it. I, yeah. I liked him in it. I think it would have been better served with like a Tom Hardy or a Gyllenhaal. But the fact that these two... You disagree? The fact that these two... Not with Gyllenhaal, but I'll disagree with Tom Hardy. Um, the fact that these two are working together again, it's basically this guy who's who's had some sort of tragedy happen in his life, and someone from his past reaches out because he used to be a championship basketball player. They're asking him to come back and coach this team of sort of uh, ragtag athletes... Uh, Back to back to some sort of you know high school athletic prominence. Right. Um, so John had seen the trailer, Mike had, and we watched it right before we started recording. Guys, what do you think about the trailer for this movie? I think it looks great. I think Johnny is right. <laughs> it's drunk Hoosiers. Drunk Hoosiers. <laughs> I love it. Drunk Hoosiers. <laughs> and, and it feels very real because those of us who are aware of Ben Affleck's story and his struggles with sobriety, it really hits all the right notes. Ben, and that's what I would counter to your argument. Ben in that sh- in that in that trailer alone. Shows you the emotional depth that he can play uh, when he takes on a character that requires that he can go there, and I think he went there uh, with the accountant as well. I think Gavin O'Connor. And by the way, I think I remember something earlier last year or at the tail end of 2018 that the accountant was one of the most downloaded films ever, streaming wise. Yeah, like it broke all kinds of records. Did it really? Yeah, and people were shocked because they're like, "What? The accountant?" And so people didn't either that or it's one of the most bought. DVDs or Blu-rays released and people were just shocked by it so much so that a sequel has been in the conversation here yeah um, but yes Gavin O'Connor I think is one of the most unrecognized uh, directors working today that creates phenomenal Warrior is one of the best sports films of the last 20 years which period. was the Tom Hardy uh, Joel Edgerton MMA movie yeah MMA movie which an MMA movie and, it, and Nick Nolte 
was incredible in that Heartbreaking movie. Heartbreaking performance. Right. Oh my god. And th- this is the thing. There are these there is this pocket of cinema that has a number of directors that exist within it and it's gritty male-oriented stories, right? And I like it and it grab it, it it attracts me to go see that. So when I see a trailer like that, I want to go see this. I want to see what the story is. I want to see what he uh, confronts, what he explores. And yes, I can tell it looks like it might have a happy ending, but it looks like it's going to have some brutal bumps. That's very true. It's going to have some brutal bumps along the way before we get there. And that excites me. And Gavin O'Connor as a director, he's someone who has been linked to some bigger properties. Yeah. And, and I think right now he was attached to write and direct The Green Hornet, a new version of The Green Hornet. At one point, he was attached to the Suicide Squad sequel. He would have been awesome in Suicide Squad. I th- yeah, I mean, it would. I think it's going to be a vastly different movie than what we're going to get from James yeah, Gunn. Yeah, true. But yeah, Gavin O'Connor, I actually helped out with the auditions on The Accountant. And oh, cool. listening to him talk to actors, I'm like, God, this is, one, this is, this is an intense guy. Yeah. I mean, he's a little intimidating. Um, but listening to him talk to actors, I'm like, this is someone who gets storytelling. Didn't he do Fury? Uh, no, that was David Ayer. David Ayer. So those two I get confused all the time. Yeah. Because their films are very similar in terms of the grittiness and the exploration of male relationships in those movies. So I, I don't know. know. I, love? I love it. What's that? Gritty male relationships. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We used to dominate the cinema. Not anymore. <laughs> That's people in tights flying around. Uh. <laughs> uh, what do you got next? Who's got something you next? Go, you go. You go. Oh, is it me? It's your go. James Bond. Bond is finishing up this year. Look, I know I'm not Mike Kalinowski, so respect to Kalinowski on the Bond turf. But I will fight him toe to toe on Daniel Craig Bond any day of the week and twice on Sunday. I love Daniel Craig as James Bond. He is my favorite James Bond. He is the reason why I watch these Bond films. I never was attracted to watch any of the Sean Connery, Roger Moore, uh, George Lazenby. Although I like the George Lazenby one, uh, Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton. Uh, you know, they were fun to see in the. Th- but I was, was never a silliness. To yeah, them. yeah, exactly. And yeah. Craig comes along uh, and just absolutely rewrites James Bond and makes it, you know, gritty for lack of a better term, uh, brutal, uh, devastating. Um, and just this kind of battering ram to get to what he wants. But the price he has to pay, the consequences he pays for his behavior, for his approach, is never not confronted in any one of these films, and I think it's brilliant. And so to have him walking away from Bond twenty from no, uh, from the Bond series breaks my heart because I think it's fantastic. But I understand what's going on. The trailer looks astonishing the trailer looks great i'm really excited that phoebe waller bridge yes. uh speaking of you know worked on the movie a little bit uh to beef up the female roles yeah uh that you know that we have this female 007 uh who's going to play a role in the movie that yeah, i'm really excited Lynch. about i did realize I, lo- I i agree with everything you said i do feel a little bit like you know, Bond movies traditionally aren't really connected. They're all they're sort of individualized adventures, yes. and this series is sort of connected. I do think it's maybe connected in a bit of a convoluted roundabout way. Certainly, Spectre would defend that point. So I I do feel like before Approval. I go in, maybe we can all do this together as do like a little Bondathon. I kind of want to go back and like kind of rewatch all the Daniel Craig movies. That would be to fun. sort of gear up for it, uh, so that I'm ready because I am very excited about it. Mm. But as I was watching the trailer, I did realize that I was kind of like, "Huh, uh, I think I don't remember everything exactly." Right, I think I gotta <laughs> a refresh my memory here a little bit. Uh, this is this is not the Star Wars universe. I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> where's Bubba Freak? Where is Bubba Freak? Where's, where's Bubba Freak? Which, speaking of geek news, yeah, let's talk. What? Do you know who did the voice of Bubba Freak? Uh, Mark Hamill. No, who was it? 
Moaning Myrtle from oh, from Harry Potter. Yes, I think Shirley Henderson's her name. Yes, yes. Moaning Myrtle and Baba Freak. I love it. I love it. Uh, and uh, what's his face? Hamill was a voice of one of the characters in the movie. He was the guy from the beginning. He's, when, he when got were... who, the one who got uh... <laughs> win the war. Oh, win the yeah. war, guys! Hey, oh, yeah, yeah. Did you see who the voices were for Mandalorian? The two guys who were talking at the beginning, <laughs> Jason Sudeikis, yes, and Adam Pally. Yeah, <laughs> that is funny stuff. Well, I mean, just that scene between yeah. the two of them, yeah. like that's such a Taika Waititi scene. It is. It is. And Ooh. the moment that they touched baby <laughs> baby Yoda, it was like, oh, you've become the most hated men in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, exactly. Um, on the Disney front, yeah. speaking of, uh, two things that I'm very excited about. Well, three if we're counting Pixar. Uh, or four. God, so many things, guys. 2020 is big. It is big. Uh, I actually am very excited for the live action Mulan. Yeah, me too. I, it looks good. I think that... Uh, it might be the best one we've been, since Jungle Book. We've been hit or miss with the Disney live action remakes. Um, and I think that when you look at what works, including the live action Lady and the Tramp on Disney+, Plus, when you look at the things that really work... It's where they actually take more liberty, give you mm. a different story. I think the closer they try and go to, well, this is a thing you love. Let's give you the exact same thing, less successful. And the more that they do stuff different. So I know a lot of people are are upset that it doesn't seem like we're going to get any songs in this Mulan, which I get it because I'll make a man out of you. Literally one of the best Disney songs ever made. Yeah. But – the fact that this is a more serious interpretation, that it feels like a different story, but it still seems like Mulan. It looks gorgeous. I'm just like, this is the, based on the trailer, this is the kind of live action remake I want to see that doesn't just feel like a cash grab. Yeah. I agree. So that has me really excited. Another thing that has me really excited, mainly because I know literally nothing um, is that the next Disney feature animated film coming out is uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about all I know. I know it's coming out. I know okay. it's an original story. I know it's called Raya and the Last Dragon. And I literally don't know much else. And that's just exciting because as much as I love a sequel, as much as I really enjoyed both Wreck-It Ralph 2 and Frozen 2, didn't think they were as good as the originals, sure. but love those characters, love to revisit those worlds, uh, a, a brand new Disney story gets me super, super stoked. Okay. Um, and then along the same lines, uh, as we've talked about plenty, mm-hmm. both, uh, you know, it's double Pixar year in 2020. So we have Onward coming out earlier in the year and yep. Soul coming out later in the year. Um, kind of confirming your guys' opinions. Uh, a lot of my Disney sources, my friends who are over there, do sort of say that uh, Soul is the stronger of the two movies. Oh. That Onward is, as one friend put it, it's a really nice DreamWorks movie, Ooh. Uh, which for a Pixar movie is is not high praise, uh, and that Soul is amazing. Okay, so okay. I'm still excited for both, um, but uh, but yeah, Soul is definitely the one I think to have your eye on for like all the Pixar accolades. Sometimes we get it right. <laughs> Sometimes we can sense from trailers, and we're like. Mm-hmm. And speaking of getting it right, I think I said Valentine's Day was when. Uh, the been out, the way back was coming out. It's yeah. actually March. The Valentine's Day movie oh, there you that go. I want to talk about is a trailer that I showed John and Mike right before we started recording called Downhill. That stars uh, Will Ferrell and Julie Louis Dreyfus. It's basically it's sort of a guy who's having a little bit of a midlife crisis. It seems like. Yeah. Um, the the 
the the way that comedy stars tend it tends to happen is that they're they're the biggest comedy star in the world for about two or three years and then they sort of fade away. I mean, you've seen that happen with Jim Carrey, you saw it happen with Mike Myers. Every once in a while, someone will have a little bit of a resurgence. But Will Ferrell, he's kind of been able to maintain. Like he's not he's not as big as he was with Anchorman and the Legend of Ricky Bobby, but he's never fully gone away. And Julie Louis Dreyfus, watching her resurgence after Seinfeld, that she had a couple of TV series, she got some action accolades but then veep came and she just suddenly shot to the top mm. and she got her first uh i believe it was an academy award nomination with enough said the james gandolfini movie yeah um the two of them together playing sort of this uh older couple that has kids and you can tell it, it was uh, the same writers who did the descendants nat faxon and jim rash um which was one of my favorite movies of 2011 uh this movie to me looks great because you can tell it's going to be very funny because you have two of the funniest people in the world in it. But also, there's a, it's going to be a little deeper. I think there's going to be some heart to it. Um, so I am definitely looking forward to seeing that Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah. Yeah, the trailer was amazing. Uh, it was not what I was expecting. Was, what, it's not what I was expecting when you showed it to me. And I do agree with you that it looks like it's a comedy with substance. Yeah. It's a comedy that's actually about something. Um, so definitely excited. And uh, yeah, Julia Louise Reif is my girl. <laughs> In my house, uh, Lindley is not a big movies person. So if something permeates the bubble of Lindley not being a big movie person, it makes me stand up and take notice. She came out of the room the morning that uh, she came out of the bed the morning that Downhill came out and was like, "How come you haven't told me about this trailer?" And I just like it dropped this morning. I literally saw it on Twitter two seconds ago. <laughs> what are you talking? about? Like, we are going to see this movie. So this is something that rarely happens in my place. And she was just like, and then, so I resisted watching the trailer. So you just showed it to me. Now it looks great. It certainly has the Descendants vibe. And I think what you're right, Shannon. Comedians go, they shoot to the stratosphere for a little while, and then what happens afterwards is what really makes or breaks you as a person in this business, right? Um, Jim Carrey tried to do some drama. It's still hanging around. We've got that Sonic. We'll see how that Sonic thing comes out. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Will, Will has always had this like uh, dramatic bone in his body. Certainly uh, Stranger Than Fiction proved that uh, and a couple other moments. Even in old school, there are moments that are like genuinely touching about what he's going through in that, yeah. in that stupid fun comedy. This is seeing him use this gear in a way that makes sense and in essence a dramedy is brilliant. Obviously, because Clooney was able to do that in Descendants, Julie Louis Dreyfus is just always an incredible talent. So yeah. to see what happens here will be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Well, you know, the smart sure. thing with Will Ferrell is when he does tap into that drama, he doesn't take it too far. No, and right. I think that's like Robin Williams I'm, never took it too far. That's what a lot of comedic actors who are trying to make that jump mm. over to drama do is they they just go too far. I think Mike Myers did it. Um, with oh, 54. Right. Yeah, 54. Jim Carrey did it a couple of times. You know what it really is? And I mean, this gets into a bigger, this is a philosophical discussion, Ooh. but I think that it is a, I think there's a lot of comedians that when they take the dramatic role, they're trying to prove something. Yeah. They're yep. saying, look at how you think I'm funny, but look how not funny I can be. <laughs> right. And that's never a win. <laughs> the ones who do it well, and this is to your point, is the ones who aren't trying to run away they, like they're not trying to prove something. They embrace who they are. Like, look, I am very funny, but there's a lot of humor and pain, yeah. and there's a lot of pain and humor. Like, it's just two sides of the same coin, and so they don't overcompensate. They don't. You don't all of a sudden get this sense that they're trying to run away from something or show you what they're not. They're just showing you another aspect of who they are. Is a deep thought. Deep thought from Michael Vogel. I like it. Welcome to the deep cut. Got, no, I, uh, I'm really thinking about 2020, guys. I got a lot of. 
A lot of things got to work out before New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, I've said this about Tiffany Haddish a few times on Movie Talk, or Collider Movie Talk. I've said that I think an Oscar is in her future when she finds the right dramatic material. She so. will She will be great. I, I think so. I think she's great. I think yeah. she's fantastic. Having s- someone who suffered through homelessness and stuff. Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, we're looking forward to 2020. Um, are we wrapping up here? Uh, in about five minutes. Okay. I have to throw something out here. Talking about uh, crossover storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember this, but during one of our episodes, we were talking about A Lonely Place of Dying, which was the Batman miniseries oh, yeah. in 1989, where Tim Drake was uh, introduced as the new Robin. So right. the, it was a five issue miniseries one three and five were in batman episode or issues two and four were in new titans and i had talked about that i had never read episode two or issue two like because new titans was sold at the comic book stores and i was just getting into comic books i didn't know what a comic book store was uh yesterday i get a package in the mail and i open it up and there is issue two oh hey! new wow. titans from our geek buddy, Mike Fox. Oh, Foxy! Who listened to that episode and sent this to me. Wow. I know. This was this was my Christmas hey. gift from Mike Fox. It's a good man, that Mike this Fox. This is the last episode of Geek Buddies. It's not going to get better than that. We're wrapping <laughs> it up after this. You just got a comic book. Uh, uh, that is yeah. awesome. I know. That is really that is hey, great. It's a Christmas miracle. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I've not read it yet. I'm, I'm scared to take it out of the plastic right now. And shout out to Mike Fox and his new set of wheels. Oh. A- after suffering a, after having his car total on his way to my birthday party, uh, he could not make it. Eventually, uh, they got a brand new car, which looks great. So shout out to Mike Fox. Hey, hey, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We should have him on the show sometime down the road. He'd be fun to have on it's the a show. Ball of positivity. He's just a ball of positivity. <laughs> um, um, can I say one thing? Sure. I people mean, it's from your show. people from the eight. Well, it's our show. People from the eighties in twenty twenty are getting a little nice little nod too. We got Bill and Ted three. We got coming to America twenty twenty. Oh, coming to America too. We got Top Gun Maverick. And we got. Oh, well, I guess Bad Boys counts as a nineties thing. But still, these are. This is going to be interesting. I, I'm looking forward to all these, but it could make or break this nostalgia thing that we've been doing recently with some of these. We were like Halloween, Bring It Back. Jamie Curtis was great. Surely made a lot of money on a ten million dollar budget. But then you go and look at Terminator uh, Dark Fate, which was fantastic but didn't make any money. So you wonder, like, are these three films going, and, and I'll throw in Bad Boys as well, are, are these three films that are going back to resuscitate some older franchises, are they going to succeed? I think Top Gun Maverick seems the most obvious one, but only because I haven't seen a Coming to America trailer yet. I, yeah, I, I would say out of all of those, and again, no trailer, no idea, in concept, I am most excited about Coming to America too. Okay. Um, although another thing, speaking of like, we've also got Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh yes, that's which another we didn't thing. Even talk yes, about. I apologize. Uh, yes. Which actually, probably, I'm the most excited about. I know that not everybody agrees on on the uh, tone of that trailer, but uh, I am very excited. And I think to your point, this is where this is maybe 2020 is going to be the year where the rubber meets the road on how do you do this nostalgia thing? Yes, because we are at a weird point that we've never been at before. In uh, in pop culture, where it's the handoff, mm-hmm. we are in the process of the handoff. We are watching every major franchise. You've got your older characters coming up. They've got their one, their one last. In many cases, yeah. in actuality, their one last role in them, and they're going to hand it off to a new generation. And we're going to see where we're going to go. And uh, and it's going to be interesting to see. I think that uh, that uh, that some will succeed and some will fail miserably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think Bill and Ted's going to have the advantage of the Keanu sense if it's yeah. still 
if it's still going. Well, also because the original writers are coming back. And I think the original director came back as well. Who's going to blink on that release date? John Wick or... Uh... Ooh, Matrix. Oh, no, that's Matrix. That's, 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 that's 2021. TBD, TBD. Too many Keanu Reeves movies. Yeah. And that's 2021. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, not yeah. 2020. Yeah. Um, I think Matrix will blink. So well, then last final thing. Yeah. What, is, what is your favorite? This doesn't have to be a specific thing. We talked about a lot of stuff, but as, mm. we, as we roll out, what is your favorite geek moment of the year? Of 2019. Of 2019. As we say goodbye, <sighs> like just final geek moment. That is tough. Portals in game. That was a moment on film when all the heroes come back. I don't know yeah. when we'll see that. Something of that level again. God damn, that's a good question. Do you have one? I it's it's the it's the thing that sort of just sticks in my head the most. I don't know why. It is that week where we lost Spidey out of the MCU and then got him back in the MCU? <laughs> I think that's totally fair. I think that uh, <coughs> just the the public outcry and emotion and pain that everybody felt when we when we thought Spidey was getting pulled out. And the fact that we then found out that Tom Holland sort of got a drunk call with Bob Iger that helped get it back in. Like, I think that yeah. the entire story that, that, is, that is surrounding this, like, to your point, uh, you know, Portals and Endgame, and it's this big moment, and we're like, this is great. And then there was like, well, say goodbye to Spidey. And everybody Hope was like... enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. And just the, the outcry of geek pain that happened that then got resolved. They're like, nope, we're good, everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> to me, I think that like that sort of sums up what the geek uh, landscape is of 2019. I think that's a fantastic point. It consumed the media. Consumed. The, it almost felt like we were watching a custody battle. Yeah. Between two parents. It was Marriage Story all over again, or Kramer versus Kramer. We were like, <laughs> "No, don't go back to that parent." <laughs> Sony just wants to take Spider-Man trick or treating. Yeah. This and people. Pa- well, because people were like. Oh, yeah. By the way, and it was not... People were mad at Sony. Oh, yeah. Nobody was mad. There was a couple people, like, you read a couple of geeks that were like, well, guys, it's not fair. Disney's asking a lot of money, too. But if, like, by and large, everyone was like, Sony, what are you doing? I will not see any Sony movie ever again. And clearly, Tom was doing the same thing. No matter what he was saying in the public, Tom behind the scenes was, like, drunk with his parents playing darts at some British bar and... Iger calls. Oh, please don't take Take me back. Figure this out. If that story is true, that just would be brilliant. That a sweet, gentle Tom Holland, drunk talking to Bob Iger, and you know his emotions got the best of certain moments. He's a performer. He's a performer. (laughs) He knows. And finally, and and the judge made the right decision. And the, all parties worked it out. That exactly. was that was the positive in the end. Uh, you know, I would say my favorite because you could take an end game, so I, I won't take that. And the Tom Holland thing is just brilliant, Michael. I would say maybe I think Watchmen is just the finale of yeah. Watchmen. I would say because I've never seen a show confront, and I want to make sure I walk this line correct. Confront the racial issues in our country in our country's history so boldly, so honestly, so thoroughly as that show did, and yet still tied into the overall story of superheroes and why we love superheroes, why we have to lie to ourselves about superheroes, why superheroes themselves have to lie about who they are sometimes in order for the greater good and what that actually can cause down the road. All of it is in here, plus this idea of power. Those who want that power, ultimate power, maybe shouldn't have that power versus people who don't want that power 
they might do better with that power. And so overall, I thought, and then also having the media consumed by a superhero TV show, yeah. in essence, I thought was an incredible moment as well. So overall, I just say Watchmen is my number one geeky moment, I would say. So I guess to paraphrase, we can say uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Watchmen, thank you. Yeah. Game of Thrones, Star Wars, better luck next year. <laughs> Movie wise, movie wise, <laughs> TV wise, good job on the on the Mandalorian. Uh, all right, well there you go. That's our recap of 2019 and what we're looking forward to in 2020. I will say this: my favorite moment of 20, one of my favorite moments of 2019 is us starting the show. Ah, oh, yeah, geek yeah. buddies. Right? Hey, I love you guys so much. This has been fun. I didn't know if we were going to be able to do it week to week, but we've done it, and I'm so happy about how uh, it's come about and how uh, all of us have enjoyed finding a a reason to get together every week and talk about the stuff that we talk about and having our friends and fans and followers listen to our show and then comment to us face to face. Yeah. And like, thank you guys all for listening. It has been such a blast this year. It's been awesome talking with you guys. Like Johnny said in person on Twitter, on Instagram, like you guys have been great. Uh, we want to keep the conversation going well into 2020 and beyond. And, uh, we're really looking forward to it. How can they do that? Well, you know what you can do? It's funny. You should ask John. I was just thinking about that. Like, so, uh, you know, if you're making New Year's resolutions, and you're like, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really focus on writing that screenplay. I'm going to ask that, that lady or that gentleman out on a date that I see every week at work. I'm finally going to do it. The other thing you can do is you can make a resolution to go give us some comments. Yeah. <laughs> give us some stars. Give us some ratings. You can retweet us. You can say to some friends, hey, you know what you should do for your New Year's resolution? Check out the Geek Buddies. It's a great podcast. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, spread the love around. Um, you know, the more that you comment, the more that you rate us, the more that you do any of that stuff on Spotify, on iTunes, on Anchor, wherever you're listening to us, the higher up we go in the ratings, the more people will check us out. So please do us a favor, do us a kindness, and uh, get those Roaring Twenties off to a good start. Boom. And if you have any love left over, you can actually follow us on social media, on Twitter at Geek underscore Buddies, on Instagram at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel on both platforms, it's at MKToon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says. Oh, there you go. I don't think we can add anything more to that. Thank you all so much. Uh, and uh, we will talk to you next time on a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies in, in 20 2020. In 2020. It's going to be awesome. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.